Welcome to ProctorCast, where we bring you plain English interviews all about the most relevant procurement topics of the day in short, coffee break-sized episodes. Because hey, time's precious and you have got value to deliver. So now let's get straight into this week's show. Yes, hello. Welcome to the very first episode of ProctorCast. What is ProctorCast, I hear you say? Well, ProctorCast is a coffee break sized podcast that we're going to be bringing you as part of the Proctopus network. If you've not heard of Proctopus, then definitely check out our page on LinkedIn. Proctopus is essentially a network of uh, run by five UK and Europe based procurement professionals that really figured that during lockdown, the whole networking and conferences were were missing from, from our sort of ecosystem. And we wanted to do something to try and bring fellow procurement professionals together in a very informal way to allow each other to network a little bit, talk about the state of the industry, maybe connect with some solution providers at the same time and just do that in different digital events that we run. So ProctorCast is just an extra tentacle, as we say, to the octopus or to the proctopus. So check out our group on LinkedIn and follow what we're doing there. And now we're going to get into our first interview on ProctorCast. And my guest today is a solutions provider, FineTune, who are based out in the States. And what we're going to talk about is some of the leakage that you often get in indirect spend when you drill down to plant or factory or specific location site level within any large organization. Because with a lot of indirect spend, as you know, if central procurement or corporate procurement has put together a frame contract that's global or regional in nature, how many times have you experienced that that specific contract often just gets stuck in a folder or stuck in a filing cabinet somewhere and never actually gets implemented to its full potential in all of the different sites. And even if it does, you probably don't know what the supplier is doing locally in terms of their invoicing and contract management. So we're going to dig into a couple of those topics and drill down on some specific categories that FineTune have really gone narrow and deep in to look at some examples here and to to try and understand why it happens and what can be done to mitigate it. So Rich Ham, CEO of FineTune, welcome to ProctorCast. Thank you, James. Honored to be your uh, your uh, your first guest. Yeah, good to have you on. So just give us a quick whistle-stop tour of what it, what it is that FineTune does, and then we'll drill into a couple of examples because on the specific areas that you look after, it would be great to, to get a couple of specifics of, of how you've been able to to add value to your clients because, you know, we're, we're a cynical bunch as buyers and we often look at outsourced service providers with a little bit of cynicism. So it would be it would be great to get some specifics of how, you know, in a post-COVID world, you know, if, uh, if teams are having to do more with less, how outsourced providers may be part of the answer to that specific conundrum. Sure, yeah. So Fine Tune uh, occupies that arena of the consulting world that uh, is, uh, I I would call it the expense management arena. And I like to always differentiate between, uh, you know, expense management and just a sourcing solution. 
Um, and I think we'll get into that and what I mean by that a little more as we go forward. But uh, we're one of those firms that are, you know, they're, you'll find in our in our broader arena of the consulting world, firms comprised of guys and gals that used to work in industry X that now sell a service that says, hey, buddy, I'll save you some money on X if you'll share the savings with me or if you'll share the gains with me, whatever the model might be. We're one of those. Um, and we have decided to deeply immerse ourselves in a small handful of expenses that we describe as nuisance expenses. And what we mean by that are expenses that take more time than they're worth and tend to be distracting expenses for both corporate level buyers and end users in the field. Um, specifically, the targeted categories are the uniform and industrial laundering industry, the waste and recycling industry, the pest control industry, and we're in process of launching a fourth offering targeting the security services industry. I like to say we, we operate in the seamy underbelly of the uh, the indirect procurement <laughs> world and uh, the the expenses that we specialize in, I think have well earned reputations for being uh, both uh, you know for being difficult to manage on a number of levels. Yeah, it's the bit that no corporate buyer wants to touch with a barge pole because they know they're going to be opening a can of worms, right? So, you said a mouthful. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So so I mean, let's take let's take each one of those specifically. I mean, if you've got one specific example that you could just briefly give for each of them, I think that would be really helpful just to see some of these types of uh, of spend categories that are that are often managed at local level dare I say, not particularly well, you know, have have some low hanging fruit if you've got the expertise to be able to to really analyze and pick that out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go category by category in a moment, but I think I'll say on the front end, you know, I have a quibble with a lot of large organizations definition of the term managed spend. Uh, I think far too often businesses definition of managed spend means well, we've got that spend, you know, under a strategically negotiated contract. And sure, that's better than nothing. The, your, your interests were inevitably advanced in some respect at the moment in time where that happened. But for the expenses that we specialize in, that's a woefully inadequate definition of managed spend. And the only definition of managed spend that is worth, you know, worth a damn in our areas is one that extends not only beyond the negotiation and implementation of strategic contracts, but that also entails a strategy for the dedicated and vigilant enforcement of those contracts. And so that the, the, the former definition may work for certain widget propositions. It does not work at the highly complex end of the you know, indirect world in these nuisance expense categories. So just jumping into, you know, a few examples of, uh, of, of why that is on a category by category basis for your listeners, you know, benefit. We're going to do this in bite-sized format. We could spend all day in each of these categories describing the various phenomena uh, that are, that are at play. And I think, you know, if you speak broadly, what you're really talking about here is over time, we know that procurement departments have gotten leaner. Folks have been asked to do more with less uh, buyers are faced with a whole new set now uh, in 2020 of new and urgent priorities and can no longer muster the time and resources to engage in the joust with their suppliers, um, especially not for expenses that are flying under the radar. Of course, the supplier sides of those industries understand this and they are for-profit enterprises and they have developed strategies to pull levers and push buttons to extract more and more profitability 
out of these categories. I often say to our clients, if you're not engaged in the joust in these categories, you are losing. Here's a few examples of how you might be losing. Take the uniform and industrial laundering industry, which might be the most complex of all indirect categories. It's a, I always say it's not a three card Monty, it's a 3000 card Monty. Uh, in that category, inventory that isn't there is one common phenomenon that we see. <laughs> the, the invoice says you have 10,000 of this particular clean room frock. Now, those clean room frocks at any given moment in time are in a number of different places. They're on the people <laughs> that are working in the clean room environment. They're on the shelves, uh, in the gowning rooms. They're back at the supplier plant being cleaned. They're in transit. They're in dirty bins. They're in a host of different places. It's difficult to reconcile. But when you bring in an expert and actually count what's there, we're always asking two questions when we see large inventories of one in that industry. Do you have what the invoice says you have? And are you using what you actually have? Usually the answer to both questions is no. And sometimes <laughs> after a procurement department is done patting themselves on the back for negotiating 20% savings, great job getting the unit cost from 10 cents to eight. The invoice says you have 10,000 of them. You only have 4,800. You're still overpaying by 52%. Jump over to waste and recycling. Um, great example. That industry has so many brazen tactics for extracting profitability. One of my favorite is adding fees to invoices that are designed to look like they are regulatory in nature or municipally mandated fees. You'll see a regula regulatory compliance fee of $15 added to every invoice. And the buyer thinks, oh, well, this is just something I have to pay because it's a, you know, it's a municipally imposed charge when in fact it's just a give $15 to your waste hauler fee that, that may or may not be compliant with the agreement you signed you know, two years prior. Uh, is, that, is, is weight determination a big issue in terms of them fiddling the weight as well? I mean, I know certainly in, in, in Europe and I guess in the States, it's the same scrap and any sort of material metal recycling is a, is a very dirty industry. And uh, yeah. there are a lot of charlatans in that industry. Is, is that also an issue in the States, too? Yeah, I would say that the industry has a well-earned reputation for be, being both literally and figuratively a dirty business. Um, <laughs> and, and yet we we do see that, you know, there there's nothing more profitable for a waste hauler than transporting air. All right. So they want to try to try to transport dumpsters as often as possible that are as unfilled as possible. Uh, I could go in a number of different directions with uh, all the phenomena that are associated with that. But, yes, we see it all the time. And by the way, I really want to hit pest control, too. Uh, there's a fantastic example of all that we talked about uh, that we're talking about rolled up in that industry around the service offering of, uh, of fogging and fumigation. You'll see in big food processing environments, uh, they frequently once a year, even you know two, three, four times a year, have to temporarily shut down uh, their facilities and do a fogging or fumigation event. Now, these are high dollar events. You know, in, in the States, we see events from $100,000 uh, for a fogging or a fumigation all the way up to the better part of a million for a single event. Now, uh, imagine a food processing plant that has just always done a, a summertime fogging when this one particular infestation of insects occurs in their plant. Now, the party that's telling them they need to do the fogging or the fumigation is the pest control supplier themselves. The fox is guarding the hen house. And so that pest control supplier probably knows that there is an underlying issue that if it were just fixed, this infestation would not occur every summer. Maybe it's a crack in a plant foundation 
where the bugs always reemerge every year. And if that crack were only filled, the infestation wouldn't happen. But the pest control supplier has come to really enjoy that quarter million dollar event every summer. They're, they're, they're counting on that revenue every July. So they have a disincentive to tell the client, hey, there's a way to fix this. And we wouldn't have to do this summer after summer. Of course not. The fox is guarding the hen house. So, you know, just quick examples. We have we could go on, you know, all day in any one of our categories. They're they're all replete with with these uh, sorts of phenomena that extract money from the bottom line after the contract is done. I mean, they're they're really great examples. I think that the key question that I wanted to ask you, based on your, I mean, you've obviously got a huge amount of experience in terms of dealing with different companies around the, the, the waste management, pest control and um, and uniforms and, and, and laundry. What do you typically find is is the root cause? Do you find that it's just, you know, very, very strong salespeople uh, that have relatively weak buyers as their sparring partners so they're able to slip more under the net? Or do you just think it's a result of, of attrition and people constantly changing jobs? Or is it just that there's no that there's no real correlation between what's in the contracts on the one hand versus what's getting invoiced and that accounts payable and procurement at site level just don't talk to each other. I think it's an inevitable cost. You know, it's not as though the decision that was made probably, you know, from the great recession up to now, um, the decision to lean out corporate procurement departments is not without cost. And one of the costs is, you have left yourself vulnerable to attack, particularly in in categories where you can no longer muster sufficient resources to engage in the joust with the suppliers in those categories. So, you know, I think buyers and sellers, you know, we we tell a lot of stories that paint the sellers in a bad light, I guess you could argue, but I want to be clear, buyers and sellers have been complicit in how this has all evolved. And they are for-profit enterprises whose, whose responsibilities are to their shareholders. And so I think, you know, it is incumbent upon uh, procurement organizations to develop strategies, say, okay, if we're going to be lean, we have to come up with strategies to make sure we're actively engaging in the joust. If you find yourself saying, well, maybe we'll look at that category in 2022 because our priorities this year and next year are X, Y, and Z, that sounds to me like you're not engaged in the joust. And the odds are, you are actively losing. Money is flying out the door uh, day after day. The checks you're cutting are too big because you don't have a strategy in some of these more complex under the radar expenses. Yeah, I think these are all classic examples of where, you know, when procurement teams need to save money desperately, they usually just look at their direct materials and maybe their maybe their packaging and their transportation. But but these are classic examples of while while the spend may not be particularly high, if we're looking at percentage level savings, you know, these are often where the lowest hanging fruit can be. Um, just before we sign off, Rich, you mentioned that you've got clients that are sort of branching out into Europe that you or that have got European sites that you're working with. So if, if anyone wants to get hold of you to pick your brain, especially if you're starting now to look at the European market in, in, in a little bit deeper, how could people get hold of you? Sure. Uh, come to visit us at fine-tune-us.com. That's fine-tune-us.com. In addition to coming to the homepage, visit our knowledge center at Fine Tune, where you'll see that our, our category experts, which really are, I, I, I can't stress enough, among the world's foremost experts in our areas of expertise. You can find us on LinkedIn, too, um, and really appreciate the opportunity to reach your audience. Yes, James, our, our multinational clients are indeed asking us to start helping with their European operations, so it seems to be the next frontier for us. 
that's fantastic and i think it's uh it's a very complex market out here, but I'm sure if you've uh, if you've applied that and been successful in in North America, there's there's no reason why the exact same pro- the exact same problems aren't occurring here, and there's there's opportunity on this side of the pond too. So thanks for being my very first guest on Proctorcast. Look after yourselves. Take care wherever you are in the world. Don't forget like the group or join the group on LinkedIn. It's called Proctopus, and why not leave us a quick review for the podcast if you like what you hear. And we will be back again in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening and see you then.